0: Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this week's show on Friday, April 15th, 2022. Drew, we started off last week's show by paying tribute to the latest Estelle Harris, the, who animation fans know as the voice of Mrs. Potato Head on the Pixar Toy Story films, and Seinfeld fans will remember as George Costanza's mom on that long-running sitcom, but the hits keep coming for Seinfeld fans. Did you see that just today we lost Liz Sheridan, the, the actress who played Jerry's mom on Seinfeld? I did see that. Just like Estelle. She was 93 years old. should mention again that uh, Liz also did some voice work for animation. She was the voice of Mrs. Stillman on Life with Louis, uh the animated sitcom from the 90s. And just in case you're wondering, folks... We lost John Randolph, who was the actor who originated the role of George Costanza's dad back in 2004. We lost Barney Martin. Uh, he played Jerry's dad back in 2005. We lost Len Lesser. He played Jerry's uncle Leo in 2011. And finally, we lost the late, great Jerry Stiller, who took over the role of George Costanza's uh, dad from John Randolph and really made it his own. Uh, that was in May of, of 2020, right? That was probably. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, seriously, though, Drew and I offer our condolences to Ms. Sheridan's friends and family during their time of sorrow. Uh, There was, of course, another sad passing this past week that animation fans and comedy enthusiasts need to acknowledge, and that was the passing of of one of the funniest but also the filthiest comics on the planet, and that was the late, great Gilbert Godfrey, which you quote quite a bit, don't you, Drew? Well, I quote...
1: Uh, his line from Aladdin when he says, I'm gonna die of not surprise. That's that is my go to. Uh, Iago quote. Yes. Oh
0: uh, actually I think my favorite vocal performance is that moment where he's packing and he he does that weird deviation. How about the except this picture? I'm making a weird face. Yes. It's such a wonderful great deviation. Well, all right, that'll tell you what folks. Drew and I are going to pay tribute to Gilbert, as well as share the unlikely story as how Mr. Godfrey actually became the voice of Iago and Aladdin on the second half of today's show. But first, the news. And as always, the news portion of fine-tuning is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, Drew, entirely too much talk of death this week, but that said... Back from the dead, Namona.
1: Yes, I did not predict this, Jim.
0: When Disney shut down Blue Sky Studios in the late winter, early spring of last year, this project seemed to go down with the ship, and everything we heard well, it was 75% animated, supposedly. Or
1: yeah, it was very close. Yeah.
0: Title character in Nemona is a shapeshifter who joins the villain Ballastar Blackheart in his plan to destroy the over controlling Institute. Blackheart tries to operate within his own code of ethics while Nemona has no problem with killing. The story mixes technology and magic. I just, just finished the graphic novel for this thing. And, Drew, it's wonderful. Oh, my God. It's, you know, you read this and immediately think, of course. This just screams great animated feature. Yeah. And kind of an interesting path to production. uh started off as a webcomic that ran from June 12th through September 2014. The book version got published in May of 2015. But around that same time, 20th Century Fox announces that it's acquired the rights to make the, an animated film on it. And has the filmmaker that you and I love, you know, Patrick Osborne, but Patrick's no longer associated with the project, right? He's moved on, or yes, I don't know what. I don't know.
1: Maybe they did reach. I'm very confused about what's going on with the actual animation because Mm -hmm. it was announced this week that it had been picked up by Netflix and Annapurna. And it's a 2023 release, so that's not very far away for no. an animated production. Um, mm-hmm. But it has new directors, Nick Bruno and Troy Quain, mm-hmm. who are both, I th- believe, veterans of... Um, did they both work on Spies in Disguise, I believe?
0: Ooh, I want to say yeah. Uh, okay. And the
1: animation is being handled by d using mm. a um, pretty interesting process, kind of almost a performance capture Process so I'm wondering. I guess we won't see any of the Blue Sky animation. What do you think?
0: Like evidently, there was language in the Namoto production contract that did, in fact, allow them, as Blue Sky is shutting down, to walk the project out, and to walk it around to see if anybody else would be interested in this. And, and what I find fascinating is we've talked about Kevin Lima's Monkeys of Mumbai which supposedly Kevin did the exact same thing on. But Monkeys in Mumbai was worth more to DreamWorks as a write-off Yes, than it was as a, a theatrical release at that point. Whereas Nimona, for, for some odd reason, was at that point in its production where they weren't that in, far in financially or... I've been hearing other things to the effect. Blue Sky's kind of interesting tax situation, didn't they? They had to actually give back tax credits, didn't they? Or,
1: yeah, 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 they were over overcompensated. I'm not sure where that is mm-hmm. exactly. But, yeah, so I don't know. I I mean, yeah, I just don't know because the, we'll talk about it in a minute. But, you know, mm-hmm. Blue Sky just switched over to using RenderMan. Mm-hmm. It looks like DNAG is using this pseudo-performance capture software. I'm just very confused about what the animation is, and especially if it, if it has two new directors, mm-hmm. and it was 75 percent completed.
0: If you go with the computer animation process, when you think about how rough it is initially, you know the, the figure blocking that sort of thing, this may be more about the finished animation process. And it's like, look, here's the raw material. Here's the vote. In fact, that's the other thing that's kind of interesting is that we got Chloe Grace Moretz. Uh, and likewise, Eugene Lee Yang, who were voicing both Nimona and Ambrosius gold, Goldenloin. He's our, our would-be night hero in the story. So they stayed on at the project as well.
1: And Riz Ahmed was part of the project.
0: Well, he he's just come in as Ballastar Blackheart, who is a great villain. In fact, if you read the graphic novel... And given the look of the character, it was one of these things where it's like I kept hearing Benedict Cumberbatch, right? Very Doctor Strangey kind of look. But again, I'm, look, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled this is happening. I kind of hope that this kicks open the door for other projects that stalled out for various reasons to be reconsidered and to maybe find homes at the Netflix and the the Apple Pluses of the world. And I, oh, uh, before we forget, I still wish there was a blue sky but they did get to do something cool to kind of say goodbye right
1: yes well before we get there jim i just want to say there might be another project that comes back from the dead that we've all watched an animation
0: <sighs> soon
1: so before well, before you, we we move on to blue sheesh. sky i just want to say there is one project that we never thought we would actually see come back but it I've heard that it's it's on its way. I can't say what it is yet, but I think everyone will know when the announcement oh comes. Oh my so. God,
0: this cool. is crazy. Cross your fingers,
1: Jim, is all I'm going to say.
0: This is the year that we also got Brad Bird's Ray gun. I know. Yeah, this is, yeah,
1: things are coming back. Listen, if it's a good idea and it doesn't need that much development and you can get it done in 18 months instead of four years, yeah. why not, you know? Medusa,
0: Medusa, Medusa. Okay, (laughs) anyway, all right. We
1: love Lauren. We want all of Lauren's projects to to go forward. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Okay, so Blue Sky Studios, we got the Ice Age shorts Mm -hmm. this week, which I thought were great. Did you watch them all?
0: I did, just last night. And what was so cool about them were the visual touches that didn't really need to be there, but were there. I mean, there were some amazing imagery of glaciers, Caught hot partial sunlight or for that matter that they brought back the dodo yep it's not a member of the death cult but you know but again it was nice to see it again
1: my favorite detail was after the the baby pees mm-hmm. on him and in the next shot the scrat has pink eye <laughs> i thought that was very funny
0: i have to go back now yes work. okay it's very yeah. it's very quick but yeah okay okay out. okay
1: did you see the uh the little goodbye they posted anonymously
0: on youtube I did, but please explain to folks what this is.
1: Well, basically, it was posted, it was an unlisted posting on YouTube that of course people found immediately, but it was done by a group of uh, Blue Sky animators as their goodbye to the studio, and it was Scrat eating the acorn. He finally got his acorn 20 years later. And it was, it's heartbreaking. It is absolutely heartbreaking. I was just devastated by it. It's like 20 seconds long, but it's just so... It just really, really hits you in the gut,
0: I thought. Um, I don't know about you. Well, no, it, it was beautifully done. I mean, I'm a little concerned about the precedent. We've got the Coyote versus Acme film in the works. Or are we, we going to get to see Wiley actually finally get the Roadrunner? I mean... <laughs> All right. You also wanted to point out, for those who, who want to even learn even more about Blue Sky... Pace Magazine is put together in oral history, right?
1: Yes. Uh, my good friend Tara Bennett wrote this. It's great. Um, it's also very heartbreaking. I don't know if you got a chance to to li- uh, read it yet, Jim, but they had so many more plans, and they had to finish this as the studio was packing up. It actually kind of reminds me of Brad Bird and, and the Iron Giant as warner feature animation was closing down as they were trying to finish the movie mm. and it's just really sad very melancholy um but a great look at what what those last few moments were like in the at the studio so check it out pace, pace magazine
0: okay i'll definitely circle around and read that tonight well okay as we're saying goodbye to blue sky let's say hello to pencilish animation studios are, are you aware of this one true yet
1: you know i saw your
0: little note about
1: it and it it is somewhat familiar but go ahead and explain to people what it is well
0: this is an animation studio fronted by uh tom bancroft one of the key players in walt disney feature animation florida back during the company's second golden age of hand-drawn animation and this is a crowd-funded studio dedicated to hand-drawn animation and they've just released the first installment of bjorn the unicorn a new animated series which gently sends up social media influencers and also features the voice of Disney legend Susan Egan. Yep, the voice of Meg from Hercules. Uh, likewise, the very first actress to play Belle in the stage version of Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Definitely worth a look-see. And we love hand and we'd like to see more of it. And so looking forward to the next chapter in Bjorn the Unicorn's comic adventures. Cute little round thing, definitely born to be merchandised and... Speaking of merchandise, with the success of Grogu, have you seen any of the Star Wars Galactic Pals micro shorts yet?
1: I haven't, although I saw somebody. Is there plush already out?
0: Uh, this is what's crazy. The, the the shorts, the first set of, the, you know, there's a total of 12 micro shorts. The first six dropped. In fact, there'll be a new one on StarWarsKids.com every Tuesday now through April 26th. But yeah, the Target evidently has these things already on store shelves. You can get four of the...
1: They're kind of, they're like, they're, they're like life-size, right? They're like huge.
0: They're toddlers. That's the whole gimmick of this show. That These are young Star Wars characters which are being cared for in the Younglings Care Space Station. On the show, you get Gungans, Huts, Ewoks, Porgs, Wookiees, Tauntauns, loathcats, and even Rankers in toddler form. And and right now, if you go to Target, they have the Ewok and the Jawa. Those are sold out, but evidently the Rodian and the Wookiee are still there. But it's very Muppet Babies by way of Lucasfilm. Well, I've I've heard repeatedly that that is the... The
1: market segment that they are going to be really aggressive going after in the not too distant future wow. that they really need oh that jawa is very cute jim you know my first toy as a child was a jawa with little light up eyes i'm sure you remember this toy it was like a little plush that was like the first toy i remember anyway
0: that the thing with the light up eyes sitting in the yeah. corner of the bedroom i to, this is- <laughs> I don't know. So, I don't know who so got much it for of... me or
1: why I had it at such a young age,
0: but yeah. Wow, were they out of the Freddy from Nightmare on <laughs> Elm Street plush? What you know? Oh my god! But yeah, I mean, it seems like
1: they're. You know, remember? Remember a couple of years ago they did those? They took scenes from the original trilogy and animated them, sort of yes. pseudo anime. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think this is part of that same line of kind of like introducing Star Wars to a younger Uh, generation, but these are very cute
0: The classic Disney business plan, cradle to grave so, okay yes. Yes. Please tell me that we are not going to have any pause of of Fury merchandise in our future uh, Oh, uh, jeez You made me aware of the trailer, which I did not get time to to look at tonight But you've seen the whole film at this point, right? No, I
1: haven't seen the film Remember, I saw the trailer before it was even online There we go that's what I'm talking about.
0: We were talking last week about the Marmaduke trailer and the number of fart <laughs> jokes, and evidently, I even positive, more. Even more. Yes. Huh. i but again, it's got Mel Brooks. I mean, there's some redeeming value here, right?
1: I mean, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm. It's Rob Minkoff. I'm sure he worked there. We go there very we go. hard on it. Um, okay. Just maybe not for me, Jim. Maybe okay. not for me.
0: Now, did Rob? I, I'm, I'm, am I blanking that Rob worked for Sony Pictures Animation or... I don't know. Well, the reason I bring up Sony Pictures Animation is just this week, as kind of a celebration of the studio's been on a hot streak and they're feeling nostalgic and look back, did you see any of the artwork from the Carlos Zaragoza mural that they just unveiled at the campus in Culver City?
1: Yes, I loved it. It was It's so cool. I have to go... Um... No, same thing.
0: I I was thinking I really need to see this in person because it runs the gamut. What is it? It starts uh, to the left with the cast of Cloudy and a Chance of Meatballs. And then in a weird sort of way, it's kind of an eye test. They've got Boog from Open Season. They've got two of the surfer characters from Surf's Up. There was a smattering of Smurfs and a big chunk of where you see the cast of the Hotel Transylvania films. But refresh my memory, when when did they do an animated feature involving Elvis? Elvis? Elvis is right in the middle of this thing. Oh, gee, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if somebody at Sony wants to fill me in here, because it- I uh, I
1: saw my boy Vivo in there. You did, did it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, Wish Dragons in there. Also, I have to mention, Two-thirds of the way through, big chunks of of Spider-Man and Spider-Gwen and teeing up across the Spider-Verse for October this year, right? Yes. Okay, folks, so we're going to have to talk about Gilbert at some point. So uh, we will get to that when we get back from the break. We were just talking about Target, and I was there earlier this week. I bought a copy of Mitchell's vs. the Machines in Blu-ray to get the extra features and see the scenes. And they actually had it on sale. Normally it's twenty-four point ninety-nine. I got my copy for fifteen.
1: That's a great Blu-ray, Jim. You won't you won't regret it. There's a lot um, of stuff,
0: and you know the fans live for your Target
1: reports, Jim. <laughs> so, you know what's coming out this weekend, Jim?
0: What's coming out this week?
1: All all of the Lightyear stuff is supposed to hit on Sunday, so keep an eye out. We we need to, we need a report next week.
0: It hits on Easter Sunday.
1: Yes, you know? the seventeenth.
0: Okay. I don't know why, but that's weird. Okay, I wasn't planning on going back to Target till May third. That's when the uh, physical Turning Red turns up in 4K Ultra D, and Blu-ray and DVD.
1: Yes, I ordered my copy today from the Disney Movie Club cuz that's how old school I am, Jim, the
0: BMG wow. of Disney, yeah. Oh, okay. well, but you I know why you do that. They occasionally yes. release the really weird Yes. Things like uh, Condor Man. Didn't they do a, a, a Blu-ray? They did a DVD.
1: DVD. I'm still waiting for a Blu-ray. Today I ordered mm-hmm. Gnome Mobile and Darby O'Gill, and oh my I got the 4K God. Turning Red Gym for twelve dollars. Wow! So yeah, okay.
0: this is a must-get for the deleted scenes and the alternate ending. Yes. Did you read about this, where May gets a seat next to her favorite four-town singer, Robert, on a flight to California?
1: Yes. If you want to know more about these deleted scenes, mm-hmm. I did a great article for The rap about all the different versions of
0: oh, cool. Turning Red uh, that you didn't see. So well, well, check that out. Let's do that. Let's do that. Also, uh, let's be honest. The other thing that, that makes this invaluable is the commentary track by Domi Shi and Lindsay Collins. Can't wait. All right, anyway, the, the the animation and the comedy community suffered a huge, huge loss with the untimely passing of Gilbert Godfrey, who passed away early this week at the far too young age of 67 from a years-long battle with a form of muscular dystrophy. And when did Gilbert come on your radar, true? I mean, it was probably Aladdin, but Okay. All go right. ahead. He did a half-hour long comedy special for Cinemax. This would have been April of 87. There's one wonderful moment in it where Gilbert is doing a series of ridiculous impressions, and he reaches and grabs a set of circular drink trays that they use to ferry the the beverages out to the patrons of the comedy club, and he uses them to be Dolly Parton, and then Dolly Parton at 65, and you, you can figure out the joke. But at one point, he lifts the drink trays up to his head and announces that he's about to do Mickey Mouse on acid And then he starts flapping the trays along the side of his ears, as if he's he's Dumbo. And then, in a high-pitched voice, "I'm freaking out! I'm freaking out!" And it's like, and it was as a Disney fan, it was like, "Wow, that's a funny bit." But at the same time, you would think something like that would get him on Disney's naughty list. But three years later, he's in a recording studio laying down vocals for Iago in Aladdin. So Ron Clements and John Musker are working on the original version of Aladdin. And they know they have a problem. You know, they've got Robin Williams, they've got what he's going to do with the genie, and they know their film is going to explode 40 minutes in. But they still have to figure out how to keep the audience on board and entertained till the genie comes into the movie 40 minutes in. In fact, this is why Ron and John wrote the original opening for Aladdin uh, that was actually set up to be a bookend. I mean, everybody knows the peddler character that Robin voices, but the whole notion was like, okay, you give them a taste of Robin early on, and hopefully they'll remember it 40 minutes in. But at the same time, they felt like, well, we, we have to pay that off. It's kind of the Chekhov's gun thing. You can't introduce the peddler voiced by Robin Williams and not explain what's going on here. And so Clements, actually, in an August 2019 interview with USA Today, said, well, that was always the intent when we were making the movie. The end of Aladdin would be this revealed that the, the peddler in the turban that we met at the very beginning of the movie was, in fact, the genie. But that scene got eliminated as Aladdin moved through the evolution, you know, its, its production process. And they've got this 40-minute chunk of exposition and story leading up to when Robin comes into the movie. And it's like, we got to do something to make this funnier. But at this point... You remember when they, early on, they had reversed Jafar and Iago, again, you know, that Jafar was, was loud, crazy, and passionate, where Iago was the cool one. In fact, that they, they initially described him as the the Hobson character from Dudley Moore's Arthur, very <sighs> dry, very understated. And it was only as they're, they're going through the production process that they realize, you know, we're not getting enough comedy juice out of Jafar. But what if we reverse the roles? Then Jafar becomes the cool, calculating one where Iago becomes loud and obnoxious. And it's like and Ron or John or it's again, this is the late eighties where it's like, well, who are you going to get to be loud and obnoxious and who comes to mind, but Gilbert Godfrey and Alan Siegel of the ringer uh, recently shared how Musker and Clements sold this idea to the then head of Walt Disney studios, Jeffrey Katzenberg. And, Alan explains, they invited their boss to a screening room and played a clip, uh, played him a clip from Beverly Hills Cop 2 where Godfrey, as cranky accountant Sidney Bernstein, steals that scene of the movie from his former Saturday Night Live castmate Eddie Murphy. And John Musker then goes on to say, we still remember Jeffrey Katzenberg's reaction to the time. We showed it to him and he said, I don't know. Isn't his voice kind of a grating? And it's like, and we were like, well, isn't this the pot calling the kettle black here or what? But, but he didn't say no. He just kept questioning us like, really? But Gilbert genuinely loved doing Iago. He came back again and again to voice the character of, uh, First for Disney's Aladdin, the animated series. Uh, He also did the home premiere that sort of launched that show, uh, Return to Jafar. Did the second home premiere, Aladdin and the King of Thieves. Likewise, the Enchanted Tiki Room under new management.
1: Who could forget? Who could forget?
0: But, you know, there's a a lot of people who, frankly, were offended by how out there under new management was. But, But that was the thing, the Imagineers recognize that Gilbert was a comedian who would say anything to get a laugh. That's why they wrote that joke that ended under new management specifically for Gilbert to say. I, I think it's the meanest joke in theme park history. The, I, mind you, it was at the tail end of the show. You had to linger in the theater just before the Enchanted Tiki Room reset to get the joke, but it was Iago said, well, I'm exhausted. I think I'm going to go to the Hall of Presidents now and take a nap. People nowadays talk about how, how Gilbert was a comic who would go there. Infamous for being the very first person that did jokes about 9-11. That's actually also how he lost his gig as the, the voice of the Affleck duck. Back in March of 2011, right after that earthquake happened in Japan, which then caused the tsunami, which then battered the that country's Tohoku a region. You know, Gilbert ops on Twitter and starts making jokes to the effect of, you know, it's kind of interesting. Normally the tide goes out and doesn't take all the people with it. But uh, Affleck let him go, like, immediately after that. Though a lot of people will tell you about his version of the joke in The Aristocrats, but I prefer to think of him as the kind and thoughtful guy he was depicted to be in Life Animated, the, the story of sidekicks, heroes, and autism you know the Ron Susskind book and, and the documentary, right? Um,
1: I know it. I have not read it, but uh, yeah.
0: It's an absolutely amazing story. It's, a, it's about Ron Susskind's son, Owen, who was this, this autistic kid who had just sort of folded in on himself and hadn't talked for years, but would obsessively watch uh, Disney movies like Aladdin and Lion King. And, and Ron and his wife, Cornelia, eventually figured out how they could communicate with their son, Owen, by literally parroting back to him the things that were said in Aladdin between, you know, because he, Owen fixated on the sidekicks, the Timon or, or Iago. And Ron would feed him a line by Jafar. And the interesting thing is eventually over time, his son would feed him back, you know, what Iago had said in response. And that was the bridge they used to being able to reach out to their son and, and to sort of bring him back in the world. And look folks, as a tribute to Gilbert Godfrey, seek out this book, or at the very least, watch this movie. Or likewise likewise, seek out Nick Berkeley's terrific documentary from November of 2017, which is just titled Gilbert, which shows you Godfrey the terrific father, the devoted husband, the loyal family man. But more to the point, when you, you watch the life animated documentary, you can see the key role that Gilbert Godfrey and Jonathan Freeman, again, the voice of Jafar, the, the role they played with helping to to turn Owen Susskind into the outgoing, sweet, accomplished young man he is today. You know, it's ironic. They played the villains in Aladdin, but in real life, Jonathan and, and Gilbert were heroes. But... Anyway, folks, on on behalf of Drew, two of us wish to express our heartfelt condolences to Gilbert Godfrey's friends and family during the time of sorrow. That's going to do it for this week with fine-tuning, but that's not to say there there isn't more really good uh, podcast stuff to listen to. In fact, I want to point out that Gilbert Godfrey did—in fact, I think it was called Gilbert Godfrey's Awesome Podcast and has amazing interviews that Gilbert did— uh, with other comedians, lots of stories that we we can't tell here, some of them involving Cesar Romero and Orange Slices. But another podcast that's definitely worth listening to is, of course, Light the Fuse. Yeah, we've got, uh, you know, we're about to
1: get into to Top Gun Maverick. We're, Light the Fuselage is finally upon us. So we're going to CinemaCon in a couple of weeks to watch it in oh, Vegas. Oh,
0: that's so cool.
1: And, yeah, uh, yeah so we'll... And right after that, there's the junket, and we'll we'll be off. We'll, we are on the highway to the danger zone already,
0: so yeah. Uh, can you tell folks where they can find you on social media?
1: Uh, sure, it's just Drew Taylor, like a tailored shirt. People have been making fun mm-hmm. of me for describing it that way on Twitter, Jim, but I am so uncreative, I don't know how else to say it. But So I'll have to come up with a new a new uh, explanation next time, but that's that's where I am right now.
0: Got it. Okay. Uh, On the other hand, uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. That's going to do it for now, folks. Thank you for listening, and we will be back soon.